Hello and welcome back to another edition of Real Talk with Real People. And today I have the pleasure of having my niece, Miss Taisha Popples, on the line with me today. Hi, Ty. How are you? Hi. I hope it's not too early for you. Is it too early for you? It's, it's definitely not. I woke up. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I anticipated this whole thing. I'm so excited. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get started by you telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, what do you want to know? I'm I'm originally from Hackensack. Um, I moved out to North Carolina when I was ten. Um, I've been singing and writing music since about then. Since I was little old. Yeah, I I currently sing and write in a band long distance um they're living in pittsburgh and i'm here writing and yeah i was on american idol that was crazy experience okay and yeah (laughs) all right so ty i happen to know a little bit about you because you're my niece and all but for our listeners out there who may not know you that much, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started with songwriting? I want to say this, though. We know, you and I know, that music is all in the blood of our family, right? Mm-hmm. We just love mm-hmm. music. We do music. There's many of us in this family that do our own thing when it comes to music. So, For sure. What inspired you to start writing your own songs, though? Um, I feel like the whole family did... And I think ever since I was little, I was like almost was always told to sing. And I think when I started like hearing like even AJ, your son, and like Uncle Jimmy, I don't know, just being around all of that music vibe, listening to like the good old oldies like Blue Magic and like Chaka Khan, just singers and songwriters like that really did inspire me to be to write more music. I started writing music, my own music, um, when I was like 13 or 14. And um, it was when, you know, me and my cousin James and cousin Juan and all of us would be, you know, in the basement, just writing and stuff. And I was just so intrigued by like how the freestyling process worked. And I don't know, I've always been, I, I can't even remember a time, honestly, where I wasn't intrigued by music. like. It's just, it's all just a part of me since I was born. So it's kind of funny to like answer these kinds of questions because it's like, oh yeah, music, I've been, I literally, my mom says I came out of the womb crying, like singing instead of crying. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but only we understand that because when we talk about music to us, it's like music, who, music is who we are. It's, it's mm-hmm. in our lifeblood. And the same, like you mentioned, AJ, AJ came out the wound in music he was surrounded by it in the wound you know all of us i grew up in teaneck new jersey and my brother jimmy that you just talked about your uncle jimmy he had a band and Mm -hmm. so i was always surrounded by music so music has been a part of the bidet family for like uh, you guys grew up into it right so it's not a surprise exactly it was like a fourth kind of like a fourth marriage like we were just gonna be with it, whether we like it or not, like when it came, when it came to music, I feel like exactly. So. <laughs> so I know people think because we're so deeply into music, and you know, like we're not famous, but <laughs> you, you know, you don't have to be famous to enjoy music, right? I oh, mean, of course, of and course, not. Right? And honestly, 
honestly, with that too, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to just appreciate my gift and for myself. Yes. Like, I have, I write music and half the time I don't even post about it or, or record it, but I just, I write it for me. And it's just like, that right there is way more, it's, it's bigger to me than just like, being, you know, quote unquote famous or whatever. Like, if it, I think if it were to happen, then that's beautiful. But like, I really am just focused on just singing every day for like my mental health, for my, for my, you know, to make everything in my life feel better. I guess like. That makes sense. No, it does make sense. It makes a lot of sense. It's some of the things that I say um, when it comes to my writing as well. And um, also, AJ has said it a lot, too, when it comes to his songwriting and his and his music. It's about mm-hmm. what brings us peace and what brings us happy. I started writing um, songs, I think, probably around the same age as you, probably around 13 or 14. But I didn't really start realizing that I was writing songs until I was a little bit older, like about... Yeah about 18 or 19 you know but I always enjoyed it now do you play an instrument I don't remember do you play an instrument I dabble with a little bit of everything I dabble with a little guitar and a little piano and a little drum um but because I'm so focused I've always been so focused on just like my voice and like making it as good as I wanted to make it that like I don't know I don't really play as much as I should but honestly like my husband he always when I pick up the guitar and he'll play something I'll pick up the guitar and I'll play the exact same thing and he's like you're so good at like just seeing it and doing it and I think that comes from like Jimmy and like yes yes like you know what I mean like I can pick up an instrument and I can learn how to play it like whenever so it's like that kind of gift is, is crazy as well um I feel like I definitely need to like pay more attention to that and like maybe learn more about instruments but like I said I'm just so I just love singing so much it's like all I think about it's all I do so I just I do that more than I play yeah I know you know it's funny that you should mention a gift that music is a gift and people don't understand it like you keep mentioning Jimmy we're going to keep mentioning Jimmy throughout probably this whole entire conversation because um, Jimmy has been an inspiration to all of us he has been playing his bass ever since he was a teenager in Teaneck and um, he's really good and the thing is is that like you mentioned he is not like he went to school to learn how to play he always self-taught and he is fantastic at it but I also noticed that it's not just Jimmy it's like you said it's yourself it's AJ um it's others in the family who do have the gift of music to be able to hear and play without taking a Mm -hmm. lesson without going to school for it it's just part of who we are and what we do so let's talk about that for a minute let's talk about a gift versus um something that you just want to do and that you have to yes yes because that's important to know too exactly i feel like um i don't know like like gifts are i think are just way more authentic like i I know a lot of musicians who just labor way over like go they take all these lessons and all this stuff and it's almost like no like I love every all the musicians that I like you know hang out with but it's almost like forced it seems like you can always tell when someone has been playing and they just taught themselves and it's just like it's just like a different vibe like I don't know I I, I really I don't know I can't even this what's the question again <laughs> <laughs> like with gifts what like what what's the difference between a gift and like like 
talent. Right, right, right. I mean, there are some talents that you can work at. I believe that if anybody... Um, you basically, if you went to school and you learned music, you can learn music. Everybody can learn oh, anything sure. if they go to school to learn it. But what about the ones who don't go to school to learn it, but it's just in them? And that would be you. That would be my brother, Jimmy. That would be my son, mm-hmm. AJ. You know what I'm saying? AJ. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's just in them. And um, there, it wasn't about, I have to go to school and I have to learn this. No, I'm doing mm-hmm. this because it's in me. Music is me. And it's coming exactly. out of me. Exactly. I mean, like, think about it. I feel like was grandma and grandpa into music at all? Like, I feel like. Well, I know. Is, I know so that. Deep. I know. I know. It's really deep, and it, it and it is worth exploring to find out exactly where it comes from. I know, mommy played piano. I asked That's her. What, um, that's what Uncle told me the other day, yeah. Yes, I know she played piano. She said she loved it. She said she was good at it. Um, I don't know if, if you know, Daddy was into music at all. He didn't show me or I didn't never see him. But the very fact yeah. that he embraced it in his sons and allowed them to have the bands, you know, in the basement mm-hmm. when we lived in Tina, you know, he must have had some sort of... Um, love for like music, love yes. Music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is a mystery though, as to it where is. we got our drive and our desire. To, My father yeah. too, though. He's he's amazing, like um, reggae musician. Like he he's like a Rastafari reggae reggae like artist, and he he can sing. Like I, it's crazy. Like I never. Thought. I never like heard his voice, but just recently, I've been singing a lot more. He has like a very pure, rich Rastafari like reggae vibe. Yes, so, like, I feel like it, it, it has to be like genetics for sure. Like, where some people are just lucky and they're just born with raw talent, you know. <laughs> well, I think all of us are born with something, and I think it depends on how you nurture it. I mean, you have to definitely exactly. have a love for it, and the fact that we have such a great love for all types of music, it you know, I think uh-huh. that helps. And talking about all types of music, let's talk about the types of music that you like. What were your influences? What kind of music do you listen to? What do you enjoy? Oh my goodness! Okay, I have such a like broad music taste. If I can, if I can like say what inspired me, I think it would be like. The music I listen to, like like Carol King, vocal wise, lyric wise, um, Carly Simon. I listen to like a lot of like rock and roll too. So like, I really love like Led Zeppelin and um, like Aerosmith and stuff like that too. And then I can go, I can go and listen to like Lauryn Hill. And I don't know, I'm I'm really all about um, like singer-songwriters and, like, how they make a song. So if that, like, catchy song that you hear, that's the song I like. Like, I love I love a hook. Like, I love, like... And it's because I write, so it's, like... I don't know. It's, I think it's just, like, my vibe. But I feel like... Hmm. I listen to, like, a lot of indie rock, indie soul. Erica Badu is a, is a good, good one. Solange right now inspires me. Okay. Um, Solange is like probably my number one personal inspiration right now. I'm writing, I'm writing like a little album, like a seven song album. Actually, there's like two, two of the songs on there is produced by AJ. So about to be crazy. All right now. Um, yeah. So, but it's, it's got like a Solange vibe. I feel like. 
That's good. I cannot wait to hear it. When do you think that album's gonna drop? Because we're gonna have to show. You know, we're gonna have to. I, you know what? I need to drop it. Like, I need to just drop it. I have, I have like five songs done. I really procrastinate, and I think it's because I'm a perfectionist. And I don't ever want to put out anything that I don't feel like is a hundred percent like perfect, which is kind of not a good way to be as a musician. But and you I'm know what? Kind of like. I'm, I'm a, trying to like fight that, but it's just, um, yeah, maybe, maybe end of the summer, maybe like fall drop. I don't know. Everyone's been, literally everyone I love is like, where's your album? Where's it coming out? And I'm like, leave me alone. Like, I feel stressed. I feel like another thing about music to me, like, since I have been doing it for so long, I have certain expectations from like my mom and like just my family. Like, I feel like I've always felt that pressure of just like, doing music and never stopping and like I mean you can go to a cookout and that's the first thing that like eight aunties and uncles are saying they're like you do music you do music you do like it's just like a part of me so much that I do sometimes feel that pressure of just like making sure it's right getting it out right doing the visuals like getting everything done so certain times it could be a little less fun because you know it's it's a job too it's, it's so I try to like you know remember that it's something I love and if I love it then it's fun you know all that <laughs> I'm sure you feel that way with like your writing. Right? Oh, I, I do, but I and I was going to say to you, I think all of us fall under that curse of perfection. All of us. Oh my God, we don't want to put nothing out because we're like, oh, is it good enough? It. I don't want to. I don't want to put this out. So you hesitate. AJ hesitate. I hesitate with my writing. Kiana hesitates with her writing. We all hesitate. Okay. We all like, oh my God, is this good enough? Is this good enough? But sometimes you have to just know that you know that you know. And you're just going to have to just yeah. put it out there. You know what? So if you crash and burn this time, guess what? You pick yourself up and you start all over. You learn from those mistakes and you keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just put it out. So like put it out for you and if the universe catches it and people, if like four people love your writing, love your book, love your music, then like that's enough, right? That yes. should be enough. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So... I want to encourage you then to to not be so hard on yourself and you know let us let us hear what you what you've been doing. I want to hear right. what you've been doing behind those closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Thanks, Auntie. I'm gonna have to just record it then. That's right. Now let's let's talk about um you you mentioned Brad. Brad is your husband. Yeah. And you mentioned him now. Is he a musician as well? Because I don't really know if he is or isn't. I actually met him because I met him about 10 years ago and he was a vocalist in like a hard rock and roll band. So as vocalists, I mean like, you know, not like, not like singy, songy, like Justin Timberlake, but more like a, like a belting, shouting kind of vibe. Okay. But the band I used to be in, Carson, we used to play shows with them and I, like we were always friends and he loved, we would, you know, he would stay and see my band, I would stay and I would see his band. We just were just always kind of like around each other for a long time. And out of nowhere, like he just asked me to go on a date, you know, because that's good, we can go on a date. And we went on a date and then two weeks later, I moved into his house and then six months later, we got married. And we've been married for five years, so... That's that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one so you guys make a actually make a great couple he is adorable and you two are adorable together 
But let me ask you, you, are you going to do music together? Can I expect we, something coming from the two of you? We, yeah, we have, we have a band together. It's called Soup Snakes. The reason why we called it Soup Snakes is because we're really big fans of The Office. And if there's any fans of The Office out there, there's a Michael Scott reference yeah. where he's, he's trying to say that they're soulmates, but he's, he doesn't understand. So he says they're Soup Snakes. It's like a whole funny bit. But yeah, it's like, it's like a acoustic vibe, indie rock vibe. Just me and him, his guitar and my voice. And yeah, we played we played a couple shows already since we went back to Charlotte. Okay. And yeah, it's nice. Okay. I love, I love writing with him. He's a really good writer, actually. Like he is an amazing just poet in general. And like I actually want to use more of his lyrics for my for my stuff because he just his mind is just insane. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have something um that you guys have written where you can like show us? You know, like um, link, yeah. We have we have an Instagram that has like some videos on it, but I'm gonna end up recording. We actually have we have five songs that are done and ready to go that I can record, and I'm gonna put it up on a fan camp. We can actually do that. Like that's always like, when are we gonna record those songs? Like. And I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll record it. I feel like I'm just the number one procrastinator, which is just, like, something I'm trying to work on. <laughs> well, I think your procrastination comes with that perfection, you know, mm-hmm. trying to be perfect sometimes. Sure. You know, but I, I say this, and I learned this myself, Taisha, not that long ago. Um, you're going to keep waiting and keep waiting and keep waiting for the perfect opportunity, for the perfect song, for the perfect everything. And you're going to look up one day, you're going to be like me, and you're going to be 50. You're going to be 58 years old saying, I should have did this, that, and I should have did that, right? and I should have did this when I had opportunity, when the time was right. And then you got people telling you, well, your time is over now. It's like, oh, darn it. I should have yeah. did this when I had the opportunity. Right? I think about that all the time. And what's funny, I think about that all the time, and that scares me even more. Like, and then I'm like, Oh, I just get like so scared. But I don't know why. I think, I think it was. I think like after being on American Idol and like just like all that pressure. That was a lot for like a twenty-one year old, you know. And like just, I made it. I made it far. Like I made it to the top forty. But like it was just a lot to deal with. And I just, I think at that moment, I realized. I changed. Like I realized. Like. I definitely do want to keep making music, but I don't want to do it for, like, clout, I guess. Like, I don't want to do it for, like, just the popularity or the fame. Like, I literally just want to make music because it, like, sets me free. Like, I, it makes me feel happy. So Yeah, I understand that. Good, there's got to be a good balance, though, for sure. Where oh, I can, absolutely. Like you said, just put absolutely. it out. Just put it out into the world. I do have a SoundCloud, and it gets, I look it up, and it gets about 170 plays a week. So there's, there's still some people that are like listening to my to my recordings, I guess. <laughs> That's right. And if let me tell you something. If what you're doing this is what I say about me too. If what you're doing motivates one person, uplifts one person, encourages one person, then you've really done your job. You're right. It's not about the masses. It's about you being yourself and somebody else being able to feed from that. Somebody being able to learn from that and get something from that. That's really what it's all about for me. I didn't when I when I wrote Someone to Love, which you know is my first book. I didn't write that in the in the notion that I was going to be this famous writer. I could care less about being a famous writer. I had a story to tell, and I told the story. And what made it 
better for me is that when people read the book, they were able to relate to it. They were able to say, oh, my God, I, I saw so much of myself in that story. And right. And that's the part of it that made me feel good. And same with you. When you're singing uh-huh. your songs and there's somebody who who can relate to your lyrics and they and, and that song just resonates inside of them, then you've done your job. No, you're so right. You're so right. I mean, all right. I want us to go back a little bit, and I want us to talk about American Idol. I want to talk about how you got onto American Idol. How was you able to to do that? What's the procedure? What's the process? What did you do? How did you get on American Idol? Because it was exciting for us to see you on American Idol. So crazy. It was it was such a crazy experience. So I got a phone call. Um, for my old bandmate, and he was like, so they're having tryouts in Charlotte, like, like tomorrow or something, American Idol, and I was like, oh, snap, okay, I'll go, so I, the next day, I just like went, and you just go to this big arena, and there's so many people, like thousands and thousands of people there, and you fill out all these, this paperwork and stuff, and then you just wait in line, and, um, First, you wait in line only to sing in front of like three ran- random people. But what they do, what what I did was, I was in line, and I honestly, Auntie, I think it was like luck for me. I I really do. I think I think the universe was just like setting it up for me because I was in line with these four girls, and they happened to sing. They happened to all sing the same song. They sing "Sitting on the Dock of the Bay," like on acts like all these girls like sing that exact song and it was just so I felt so embarrassed for them I think that they had been preparing and preparing it mm-hmm. and it was like the same song they sing it the same way and then I jumped out in the line right after them and I sing Alanis Morissette You Wanna Know and it's just like such a wild power house song and so different at the time too for like a black woman to like I'm sure they were they were just so taken back by the, the song choice it was just such a I played the game, like, so well. So I, I made it right through. They, they said, um, number 12, um, stand up. And it was me, and I stood up. Everybody else had to, like, go away. And I made it to the next round. And what happens is with that, they, you get a little gold ticket. It's not the official golden ticket that you see, like, on TV. It's just, like, a, a little one. Mm-hmm. And then they say, we'll take it from here. You go home. They email you, like, two months later. Like, you're telling everyone, I got the golden ticket, I got the golden ticket, but really, like, you you don't know what's going on really yet because, like, you're waiting around. Like, everyone's like, so what happens now? And I'm like, I don't know. I just got this gold ticket. I don't know. <laughs> so, two months later, I get an email, and I had to drive out to another place and do another um, audition. And then you do another one. And then you... They, I think how they set it up is you think that you're just going to do like another one of the like other ones, like just a basic tryout. But then that fourth tryout is the one where it was Nicki Minaj, Keith Urban, Mariah Carey, um, Randy Jackson. So you go in completely shocked that they're there. So I, I felt like at that moment, I didn't know that they were going to be there and my voice. When I look at the video again, like the YouTube video of the tryout, I hear, I hear the tremble in my voice. I hear it. I hear the nervousness in my voice. Like I can tell, but I'm just trying to keep beat. I'm just trying to sing 
it was it was such an intense experience. I can't even explain it. Um, I actually got I can say on record now because I'm not on contract, but I was. You do get under contract for top forty. You're under contract for like three or four years, and then when you, which is sad because you can't play any shows, like you can't really do a lot of stuff like when you're under those contracts. And then like if you make it to the show, show like top twenty, top fifteen, top five. You're like, you're in there. And that's why I like Fantasia. You know, everyone was like, Where, where'd she go? She was under like a thick, thick contract. But like, um, whenever I, you know, sing and stuff, and they said, you're going to Hollywood. I got four yeses. Um, and all four of them said yes. But in the, in the live, actual, like, TV version, they made it seem like it was like a split decision. And like, oh, like, Mariah said no. But in reality... Mariah told me, which I'll never forget because it's the first time anyone has ever told me this, but before I walked in and before I could even sing, Mariah Carey puts her hands over her face like in shock and she just goes, I just, I just love your spirit. Like, like the second I walked in, Mariah Carey told me that she loved my spirit and that like had me like, I'll never forget. Like I tell everyone that story. It's like, it's like one of the things, forget about American Idol, that was one of the things that like really she didn't even hear my voice she just loved my spirit and like and people after that people have been telling me that that I had gotten that compliment a lot like like after that like I had never gotten that before so it's so really cool and all four of them said yes Nicki Minaj was just like so nice and it was a great experience I they flew me out to Hollywood for free they took care of my food and my drinks and honestly like I I would have made it farther, <laughs> and not to sound like a slow loser, but they put you in these groups of random singers that, and they just say, okay, you have to do this song, which I had to do that song called Knock on Wood. It's like, think you better knock, knock, knock on wood. Think you better knock. And I didn't know that song at the time, but now I promise you I know all the words now. <laughs> but literally they put you in this group with all these different kinds of singers so different voice ranges different harmony styles so you have to be you have to you have like I think like two hours or three hours to make a choreography like do choreography and like kind of like get your voice to match everybody else's voice like harmony is it's hard if like you know other people aren't with it so like pretty much my whole group got cut because we one you're so tired you're so anxious I feel like it was just such a whirlwind. We did not sleep. I, I slept maybe for like 15 minutes. My father came to Hollywood and he told me that he he saw me on stage like when, when I got cut like that, like right before I even sang. And he's like, she looks so tired. She just looks so tired. I, like he knew that like it wasn't gonna be a good performance. So I don't feel, I don't feel bad about it. I didn't even cry. Like I just, I was like, thank you so much for the experience. Like, cause I feel like every round that I did by myself, I made it through, but it was when I had to be with like a, a whole group of random singers and we just got cut, but we were tired. Like, and that's another thing too. I felt like I didn't, I don't like putting other voices against each other. Like we all have such different voices and, and like, it's so beautiful that we all can sing. So I, I hated like that whole competition vibe. Like I hated that. Like I was like the nicest one there. I was like, Really, you sound so good. Like, I was running around and being like, oh, I love that song. Good job. Like, I was like, and everyone else was like, to Diddy with their heels on and Diva and like, I'm going to win and I'm an American Idol and people wouldn't even talk to you. And so it's definitely a, like a weird environment. 
But like I said, I, I really wouldn't change it, anything, a thing at all. It, it definitely got me a fan base. Like, it gave me, like, a little bit of clout for a little bit. Like, <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I don't regret it. I do feel bad because my mom was so excited and, like, she was putting, like, signs up on the house. And it was too much. <laughs> well, we were all very proud of you. Very, very proud of you. You really, oh, thank you. you really did good. But I'm going to tell you, I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm glad that you're sharing this with us because everybody thinks that something is so easy. You look at somebody on TV and you say, oh, that's easy. I could do that. You see somebody who uh-huh. wrote a book and you say, oh, I can do that. But, you know, the process that it takes for you to do these things is harder than what people think it is. It is. You know, and you have to have you got to be ready for that and the fact that you knew in that time in that place in that space this was a little bit much for you but going forward I think because of what you learned and because of what you experienced I think if the time came up for you again that you had an opportunity to to do that not American Idol but to do a recording or to you know to put yourself out there to you know for the whole public eye it will be a different experience because you'll know what to expect and you'll understand sure. how much work goes into this no for sure for sure and I, I think too like sometimes sometimes I really do want to try out for like the voice or something because it, it, it just seems so fun like but at the same time I don't know maybe maybe one day I don't know I, well, this world is so big there's so there's so much to do you never run out of you never truly run out of time like I, I think, in my mind. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, you, you don't truly run out of time because I'm often telling people that they need to reinvent themselves when they get to a place where, okay, maybe you're not doing that anymore. It's, it's why I'm doing this podcast so that I can give individuals an opportunity to grow, advance, and share what they're doing and what they're up to. Nobody uh-huh. should be put in a box. I don't like being put in a box. So I don't want to put anybody else in a box. Okay, so you may have done that two years ago, but two years later, you're doing something else. And I think that you have a right to do something else. And nobody should just hold you to that one thing that you did two years ago. For sure. You know what I've been intrigued with? I've been really intrigued with, um, uh, I've been intrigued with ceramics. Oh, okay. I've been wanting to do, yeah, I've been wanting to do, like, more of a ceramic vibe. Isn't that cool? So I might take a class. Yeah, you should take a class, and that is cool. You never know. Yeah, like, you, I feel like you just never know. You never know where your talent lies. And then also, I like to think that we should be able to do a little bit of everything if we want to. I mean, people say a jack-of-all-trades, and, you know, if you're a jack-of-all-trades, you don't really, you don't get experienced in one thing. That's fine if that's what you think. But there are people in the world who can do a lot of things, and they do it well. You, you know what I mean? No, you're right. So you're doing ceramics. You can do ceramics and sing, too. Who says you can't? Yeah, I know, right? You can do, I feel like you can just do anything. Anything. You can do anything in this world. Absolutely. If you choose to do it, and I say this every time I talk to people, so I'm going to say it with, to you as well. My favorite quote is by Howard Thurman. And when I, when I 
learned of this quote maybe about six, maybe eight years ago, maybe even close, yeah, about eight years ago. I have never, it has never left me. And it has stayed with me. And and this is what carries me through. And I'm going to say it to you. The quote goes, don't ask the world what it needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And that stayed with me. And I say, you know what? I'm not going to be concerned about what people think I should do or what people want me to do. I'm going to do what makes me come alive. I'm going to do what makes me happy. Because when I'm a happy person, I bring happiness into the world. You understand? Mm-hmm. And that's what I want all of you to do. I want you to do what makes you feel alive, what makes you happy. Because when you're doing what makes you happy and what makes you come alive, just like Mariah said, she loved your spirit. I love your spirit. Everybody loves your spirit because we see you as an individual who is truly doing what she loves. And you're not influenced by what other people think you should do. You're doing what you love. And when you do what you love, it comes out in your spirit. And that's why you have such a beautiful, loving spirit. Because that's what you put into the world. And that's what the world sees when it looks back at you. No, that's beautiful. For real. I was for real when I said it. (laughs) (laughs) So what else do you want the world to know about you, Miss Taisha Popples? I said, what else do you want the world to know about you? Um, what else do I want the world to know about me? Um, I don't know, Auntie. I feel like I think we covered everything. I'm pretty, I've been watching open books, though. Like, I feel like I'm just very, what you see is what you get about me. So it's really not too much. To know. <laughs> okay. Well, the title of this podcast is Real Talk with Real People. So we're going to keep it real. It can't get no more yeah. realer than this, right? You're right. Well, I want to thank you, Miss Taisha Popples, my niece, uh, my lovely thank niece. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you I for love sharing. You so much. I love you just as much. Right back at you. <laughs> Let's do this again. (laughs) I definitely want to do this again because what I want to have is a conversation about music as often as possible since we've established in the beginning of this podcast how much our family really loves music. And um, so I'm going to have a conversation with, with my husband, Albin Jones, who is the founder of Flip the Script, the band. He's going to talk to me. He's going to give me some of his time to tell me about Flip the Script, the band. So... And hopefully I'll be able to talk to AJ also about his latest project and what he's doing out there. And there's just so much to talk about when it comes to music that we're going to have you on again. And the next time I have you on, you're going to debut one of your songs that you and AJ is working on. How about that? Yeah, that'll be the next time. That'll be next time. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Taisha. So you're listening to Real Talk with Real People. I am Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones. My guest today was Taisha Popples. I hope you join us again as we continue this conversation with Alvin Jones of Flip the Script, the band. See you next time. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye.